Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... What are we talking about? The Sudetenland! The Sudetenland... (laughs) Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Working Title, the podcast about some of the best movies as rated by the good people of IMDb. Uh, we are on episode uh, even 30 for us, and uh, this week, the one we're talking about is... Sorry, my voice is kind of fucked up this week. Uh, the one we're talking about this week is the 1965... Uh, film based on a Broadway musical based on a true story, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's The Sound of Music, starring, um, of course, uh, none other than Julie Andrews, uh, Christopher Plummer, and a handful of others. Um, Yeah, kind of a classic, tells the story of a woman who is not super great at being a nun, goes to babysit, and falls in love with the dad uh, through the power of music and joy or something and uh yeah it's it's a love story romance in uh, 1930s austria uh pretty famous one and honestly i feel like i shouldn't have to explain what it's about um but maybe that's just because i've seen it a hundred thousand times growing up so before we get into talking about what happened in the movie and what we thought of it let's uh, introduce the reviewers in the studio and our prompt today to get to know the reviewers is if you could have one band or artist uh, rewrite or cover the music from The Sound of Music, you know, in, in their style, uh, who would you have do it? So let's start with you, Mike. Hi, I'm Mike, and uh, I would do another um, power couple. I would do uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Power <laughs> 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 couple! There we go, go. And the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, nice that was so touch. good. In the oh. outside walk alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, All right. That's beautiful. Shane? I don't know if it's that good. I was going to do a band led by the one and only Chad Kroger, uh, Nickelback, because <laughs> okay. not only would it be timeless, but the internet would love it till the end. <laughs> I Look at this Sadovice! <laughs> oh my god. Alright, June. Oh, that worked out better than I thought it would. Uh, I would like to see the sound of music in the style of Boys to Men. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty good. I like that. Gonna sing us a little? I did my singing. Who does the song <laughs> Kiss of a Rose or whatever? Baby! Seal? Yeah! Seal. Oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> oh, man, so many tough choices. Uh, I'm gonna have to go... I don't know if I can follow these. My name's Jack, and if I had to uh, rewrite all the music from this, I would have it done by Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> Say it isn't so. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Weezer. It's my least favorite band. Um, so, um, yeah, to come back to what this is about. So this is very loosely based on a true story of um, 
a widowed Austrian naval captain who falls in love with a, a nun from a nearby convent or a, she's not a nun yet. She's a initiate. Uh, so she hasn't taken her vows and they form a musical group and flee to the United States at the, uh, at the, uh, outset of world war two. So that's, that's the true story. Um, the sound of music is, you know, a little more, a little bit more fairy tale Um, but before we get too far into that, Mike, do you want to do you want to take over and tell us what happens? So it starts with Maria, as you mentioned, she's at this um, nunnery in Austria, in the town of um, Salzburg, in 1939, 38, and she, um, like you said, is not a very good nun. She's free spirited, and the other nuns um, are split between liking her and disliking her. Uh, the mother, Abby, uh, who's the the abbess, sends Maria to go and kind of figure out she takes sends her on a gap year to go and kind of figure out who she is uh, by working for a retired <laughs> naval <stringer>. officer <laughs> uh, so she sends him to captain um uh, georg von trapp and uh, he's she's to be his governess to help take care of his seven children uh, as you mentioned he is a um a widower so she she goes meets with the family meets the seven children uh whose names are liesel frederick Louisa, Kurt, Brigitte, Marta, and um, Gretel. And they are, they kind of like, their their first kind of interaction with um, Maria uh, is apparent that they've gone through a lot of baronesses, or sorry, um, governesses, and she's the next one in a long line. Uh, the captain, uh, Von <coughs> Trapp, he's... He's kind of a, a hard-ass. He's, he's, since his, his wife died, he's lost his his happiness and he's running his family um, as if they are part of his um, command. So brings them in with whistles, uh, has them march around, doesn't let them play, um, always dressed up properly and uh, just kind of, he has them on a short leash. Uh, Maria being her kind of, you know, kind spirited, uh, high energy person she is, um, clashes with uh, Von Trapp immediately. And uh, the type of person she is, is, is complete opposite from Georg. Uh, so uh, throughout their first interactions and getting to know each other, the kids try to pull, you know, some pranks on Maria. And during the first dinner, she makes them feel guilty enough that they kind of, they, they feel bad for what they've done. And there's uh, ends up becoming a, you know, a, a bonding moment where during a lightning storm, the kids come to her for help because the father is such a distant man. Um, so Von Trapp, he, he also has a Baroness that he's been dating in Vienna and, after Maria first shows up, he leaves to go and meet with the Baroness, and um, he's going to bring her back to meet the kids, who they, they haven't met her before. The, the Baroness and the Captain have been dating. Um, so during the time while, the, while Captain Von Trapp is gone, Maria gets to know the kids. She ends up making them so close. She takes them out, teaches them how to sing, and they become really close, and they end up getting become really good friends after who knows how long. Uh, at least two costume changes. The captain comes back, and <laughs> <laughs> which happened instantly in this movie. <laughs> this movie, this movie moves really fast. Um, so they're they're now like best friends. The seven kids and Maria and Von Trapp 
comes back with the Baroness and also the this guy they call Uncle Max, who's who's I don't think he's an actual uncle, but he's a friend of the family, and he he's interested in he's he's like kind of a kind of a skeezy guy. He's kind of a, a I wouldn't say he's a con man, but he's definitely kind of trying to play for his benefit. He's just some um, rando that wanders in and just eats the food and makes the children sing for money. <laughs> he's friends with the Baroness and he's also friends with Von Trapp, and he he wants them to be together because he's and he's openly admitting to be kind of like a mooch of the family. Uh, so that's the first hour of the film. It goes real quick. There's a lot of songs throughout there. Uh, I, I was going to do a list of the songs and what was done in there, but I decided not to. Yeah, if, if you mention something about a song, just, you know, mention what song it is. But You have to sing yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first thing opens, like the it opens with Maria showing up late to the convent. They all sing about um, how do you deal with a problem like Maria. It's the, the first song almost. Um, and, uh, so I feel obligated to ask the age old question. What is a flippitigibbet? <laughs> and they never really give any answers on what to do with a problem like Maria. They just keep describing the problem. Just pawn her off onto some <laughs> local family. That's true. That song was like brutal, man. <laughs> like She's I get, dumb. It's, <laughs> it starts out at the beginning, the beginning, and it's like, oh, I get it. Like she's, uh, she's a tough one. And then there's like seven verses to this thing where they're just like, <laughs> but they just keep going. It's like, it's, Jesus, it's yeah, okay. Like, like, like you're with your friends and everyone's like, yeah, that's right. And it's like, okay, okay, I get it. No, like, no, 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 no. You don't get it yet. <laughs> <laughs> they really do go on a while, which brings me to Mike's point. He's right. For a three-hour movie, it really does move fast. But that's because only like three things happen and the other 160 minutes is singing <laughs> which i mean it, it uh, is yeah. a musical you would expect so. from a musical <laughs> yes but, um yeah that's a that's a interesting point i th- i agree but only after the opening like there was way too much b-roll of the austrian countryside in the beginning I was really yeah. drunk so I was enjoying it actually. <laughs> I, was like, I was pretty sober and I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's the, just... the the telltale sign of a long movie is when they they have a score at the beginning while the intro credits are rolling where yeah. they cover all of the songs that you're about to listen to. <laughs> so yeah. I put that you down mean, you mean too. an overture? Oh, is that what that's called? Yes. Um not everybody's as classically trained as you, Jack. Classically, yeah. It's crazy that we like, or at least me, like I notice opening credits now. Like they're an outlier. Yeah, you know, they don't like, really occur as much nowadays, do they? Yeah, like back in the day, it was like pretty common, and I'm sure people were like, "Oh, the movie's starting now." It's like, "Oh, an opening credits," and that's interesting. I'm pretty sure the movie that changed all of that was Star Wars. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am, it might I'm actually be. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the movie that uh, killed opening credits was Star Wars. Hmm. I kind of miss them. I, I enjoy the. The, the whole thing but I also was getting wrapped around I was like do you think it's a hang glider with a camera or a helicopter with a camera it was super shaky I'll tell you what <laughs> there were there were definitely scenes where um, when they were doing kind of like those panning uh, camera work as it kind of went through the air where you could see like a ton of grass being blown around yeah. <laughs> at like the bottom oh, edge yeah, of the camera yeah, yeah. this is probably a helicopter <laughs> um, I'm also glad that um they kind of stuck to nature B-roll. I was really worrying the director was just going to follow random people in Salzburg doing things, but I enjoyed the mountains. I was really <clears throat> waiting for them to be like, oh, this is a lady milking the cow. 
Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> the guy going to the That's bank. That's true. It could have been <laughs> but, a lot worse. I mean, I kind of feel like if you are filming the Austrian countryside and you're not like filming the mountains like panoramically, then you're kind of squandering it a little bit. Um, so I like that about this movie. The 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 fact that they shot on location is awesome. Yeah, where man. would they have shot? The well, there's a lot of scenes where they had like no, they had, there's a lot of studio scenes. I'm saying they actually went to Austria, got some amazing footage. No, it is a beautiful country. I agree. Yeah, oh, yeah. Is yodeling um, a Swiss or is it just an Alp culture? That is irrelevant. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do no. yodel in this movie, so I wonder. You're. So Mike, it, it's uh, it's crazy. All of your everything you're saying is segueing into my notes here. Uh, it's because I have your notes in front of me. Oh wow, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the execution Thanks, of Owen Wilson. <laughs> the execution of the um, fucking god damn it. I thought so, we sanguinated into your notes. <laughs> yeah, Mike, yeah, could you check his notes and tell well, us what he's trying to say? <laughs> if Shane didn't just yell yodeling. <laughs> uh, that, comes, that comes later. Yeah, the uh, shooting on location. Um, I think the way it was filmed and the the set was was done, it kind of gave that stage feel, but you could tell it was on location. Like It got to the point where I had to look it up to see if these were studio shots because the way Thank everything you. was framed it 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 was able to do the like pay homage to the stage like almost every other musical ad- adaptation we've seen but you know it was all on location yeah so. jack yeah no i i actually have a had a similar thought june in that um so we've seen a lot of stage adaptations and one i think other musical adaptation and i remember being kind of annoyed with some of the the stage adaptations where it felt like they never really fully transformed into something that fit like the movie medium. Um, you know, if we're talking like cat on a hot tin roof or something like that, but this mm. felt like they uh, found a way to be a musical and have musical numbers in a way that felt like evocative of the stage, but still use the, the actual, you know, environments they were in and used the space and used, uh, you know, cut scenes well, and it felt energetic without feeling so constrained. So I was really impressed by that. I think there's only one real studio cut that I noticed, and that's instead of filming the car driving down the driveway, they just put the background of the driveway that they filmed, and then they're driving in front of the screen. That's the so that's... only thing I saw that really cut me out that's more studio. But yeah, everything else... You're right. For this time period, it actually is something interesting that you wouldn't have seen much. Yeah, that's what I was going to clarify was the the, the driving in the car and then all of the house scenes. Those were the stage. The rest yeah. of the outdoor stuff was all on location. So that's yeah. that was the point. Which means this thing was extravagantly expensive. <laughs> and, and I think the, the important thing for me is not just that, you know, it was on location, but it would be easy to film something on location but make it feel constrained and claustrophobic like a stage and like choreograph it and go through the the numbers as if it's like a stage performance where you have everyone coming on and off screen, right? Like, mm-hmm. like cat on a hot tin roof, which we hated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But instead it, it came through very dynamic 
all the time, like that scene where they're all traipsing around Salzburg. You know, the the changes in scenes just felt so energetic. I will say as well, on the choreography note, um, I it feels very natural. And this is one of the few times I've seen a musical where I, I can't really picture the dancing numbers. It feels like, obviously it was choreographed and stuff. The only one I can think that seemed like very choreographed was Rolf and Lysel's dance. But everything else felt very natural. Or like, that's an actual dance and stuff like that. Julie yeah. Andrews was was amazing in this. Yeah. Like she, her, her dancing and like her she character being this. She, this her character being this free spirited, um, you know, young woman is was very well done. Like when she's coming up the driveway to the Von Trapp's house with her guitar and she's just like marching along the road. Made me feel like Mary Poppins was not as original. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, though, that. Uh, her excuse for going out and running around out in like the 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 the, um, the mountains um, sounds uh, pretty close to having an acid trip. Like she's explaining <laughs> it to like the, the nun. Well, the head I've been nun. doing drugs. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, I. The, the gate was open and the sky was blue and the grass was green. Do you understand, man? <laughs> I caught myself a lot thinking like. I guess this is what you did for fun in the 30s. <laughs> there was no internet. <laughs> there's, there's like no internet. There's no movies. You know, maybe that you could listen in the, to the wireless like the nun said. <laughs> but otherwise, you're just like picking berries and singing in the hills. What um, a time. Anyway, so I, I think it's probably a good point to move on to the sort of next uh, section of the movie. Absolutely not. I still have half a page of notes. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> we shall going. not move on. Point of order. <laughs> Say what you must, June. Um, going to the point of Julie Andrews, I, I don't remember. I've seen this quite a bit, a few times, uh, same as you, Jack, but, you know, I was much younger. I don't remember the song I Have Confidence, uh, This, but it was performed so well. That's where I saw the choreography for um, Julie Andrews and and doing all that while singing. It, it was it was really cool. Um, so fun fact about that number: uh, the actual Maria has a cameo in that. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. As? Uh, as like an extra, she's a, a lady. Like a a lady in the background is a. Uh, uh, Julie Andrews Maria boards a bus or something. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the the note on it, but she did have a cameo in that one. Hmm. Oh, cool. Um, um, the other choreography bit I had was the during uh, my favorite things. The at the end of the song, like the kids, you know, they learn how to sing all of a sudden, and uh, <laughs> they're jumping on a set of stairs to correspond to their notes. But it's like each of their own notes, so they're like harmonizing, you know. So they're all on like separate steps, and they like went through the effort to line all that shit up. It's pretty cool. Oh, it had to be a nightmare to choreograph all this and get the kids to do what they're supposed to do. Because <laughs> Gretel's probably what, like five, six years old. The actual actress. You can only imagine trying to get yeah. them to step on the right step at the right time. Well, there's a lot of underlying... I don't even know how to respond to that, Shane. Fucking <laughs> kids, am I right? <laughs> well, there's a... There's, so that's a, so this is the... I don't know. We, we've been talking this this film up a lot, and 
I want, I want to say something negative, if you guys will allow it. Hell yeah, um, I, got neg- I got negative stuff. Dick. All right, well, here's my first negative thing. There's a lot of abuse, like undertones of abuse in this film. Did anybody else get that? I thought yeah. it was good parenting. You guys weren't raised with a whistle? Yeah, <laughs> I mean... I mean, even like, even in the like, I feel like even directing this, like you're saying, a five-year-old getting in line, like, I don't know. This you, is the 70s. You can't raise a kid like it's a boot camp. And, you know, I, I mean, even putting aside that, like, um, you know, it seems like uh, Captain Von Trapp is not above swatting his kids if they they act off. Or in the 30s, man. <laughs> so when when Van, Von Trapp comes back with the Baroness, and before they right when the next, this is going to lead into the next portion, but it's right at the beginning of the next part of the plot when he's walking through his uh, backyard with the Baroness. He's carrying a um, a, he's just like he's holding a um, what do you call it? A horse, um, or like a switch, a, ri- a riding crop. A ri- yeah, he's, he's just holding a riding crop as he's walking around. But there's no horses. As there's was no horse style of the time. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Just, just for some cropping. <laughs> I do like how he's completely, he won 80s a little quick, but like, he's like, my wife died, so I will have no playing or singing anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I, I want to, yeah, I, I do agree that he's a little overboard, even putting aside like that just different things were acceptable in the 60s when this was made. Um like even putting that aside, it's it, he's just overboard and very much makes a 180. So uh, I think that's kind of what this movie is: is that things are just black and white, right? Like there is no flaw to Maria, right? Oh yeah, and not not one, no shades of gray in this. And the uh, the captain is a hundred percent villainous to the point where it makes you wonder, like you. Spoilers, but you know Maria falls in love with him, and it makes you wonder why she even likes him because he's kind of just a an asshole to start with, with no redeeming I, I qualities. Think, I, I don't think Maria knows what she wants. She's a flippity gibbet. Yeah, she's um, a flippity gibbet for sure. A flippity gibbet. One of my uh, minor gripes, uh, just in in the writing. So this comes right after the song Maria. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is talking to Reverend Mother, who has the gall to say that there's rules against singing in the Abbey. Like, <laughs> right after they all just sang Maria, and then at the end, she has, like, this crazy solo at the end. Like, okay, relax. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> they They're literally just the got Abbey. done singing about her and, like, stop singing, Maria. <laughs> They're in the singing annex. Oh, the scene. <laughs> um, uh, actually, my other gripe comes later. But uh, one of the things I do I don't like about musicals is when they try so hard to introduce a song, mm. right? So it's like everyone's talking, and then there's a pause, and then the music comes in. Yeah. But here it was like the transitions were super smooth. Do re mi in particular, or my favorite things in particular. Like she's talking normally and without any kind of pause goes right into singing. And then little things like in Do Re Mi, she, she like her guitar starts out of tune and like slowly comes into it, into tune as she's turning the peg. So that was mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I didn't ever feel like it was choppy uh, or the song seemed out of place. You know, now that I think of it, 
Um, so if I'm remembering the introduction to what do you do with a problem like Maria, I don't think they do that. But she's impulsive. She's this. She's like, and I'm comparing to like Greece where this car is automatic. Hydromatic. And like, they didn't do that at all. They just kind of, you're right. The songs kind of start naturally. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I've been thinking about this a bit as we talk about it. And this is kind of interesting in that it, um, it, it is a very naturally flowing movie. Like the choreography isn't over the top. You don't have like big dance lines. Like if we think um, to Fiddler on the Roof uh, that we watched a while back, there was definitely an element of this where it, it definitely sort of put on its um, a stage musical hat and did like dancing or singing numbers that were like very distinct from the rest of the movie. Or even if you think about more, I guess, recent uh musicals made into movies like um <laughs> i hate to reference the producers but <laughs> where like it's um you know it's it's very much stylized where it it lives in like the the pseudo real world but still mm-hmm. like dancing numbers break out in the middle of central park or whatever right and this yeah this this was kind of an interesting tack where it kind of stayed semi-realistic all the way through and it's just a a bunch of people doing their thing that also happened to be singing in the course of events. So yeah, I like think... a Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think uh, what sets this apart is, is exactly that it's, it's not because with musicals we're kind of led to believe that their conversations are happening. We just hear them through song, but in sound of music, it, they're actually like singing in their world. Yeah, you know, yeah. with the exception of a few few numbers, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think that 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 was that's an interesting observation. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't think it's like a incredible credit to this movie as compared to others. It's not like a bad thing. I I think it's just an in like a, a different approach that kind of makes this movie a little different. Um, I actually had a question. You might know the answer to this. June is um is yodeling just a Swiss thing or? Do they do it in Austria too? That's a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any other notes on this section, June? I don't. All right. Do you wanna... say, why, is, why is June an expert in that? I can tell you about yodeling. I'm just, I'm, I'm just asking June because June got really mad and, at Shane when he asked that. Inform us about yodeling. <laughs> Some of us right. actually want to know. Mike is in the middle of like a fucking heartfelt point, and Shane just like, you guys know about yodeling? (laughs) Who came up with it? Why? (laughs) Who was like yodeling? Whoa, what was that? (laughs) Shane, have you heard any kind of folk music at all anywhere in the world? I've partaken in bluegrass. (laughs) <laughs> who the fuck came up with bluegrass who started rubbing a spoon on a washing board yeah grass is green stupid <laughs> i know why is it called bluegrass what grass are they smoking wait, wait till we tell shane about mongolian throat singing oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the precursor to yodeling <laughs> all right very, very, very good very good i think june can just cut this whole section out so why don't you just uh, or he's go gonna keep it in and we get to listen to it Next week and hear us saying, okay, we'll just cut this one. Not a chance. (laughs) Uh, What happens in the next section, Mike? All right. So Maria and the kids 
um, are now best buds, and Von Trapp and the Baroness and Max are back. And they first um, <clears throat> have their kind of meet up with, with Maria and the kids as they come sailing down the Rhine in a yacht. Um, no, it's actually just a rowboat. And they, they fall out into the into the river and soak themselves. And um, Von Trapp's not having any of this. So he, he gets him out of the river, makes him stand at attention, chews him out, and then sends him to get cleaned up. And then uh, he proceeds to, uh, you know, confront Maria and call her out on breaking all the rules that he's kind of set down. And, and she argues back, and uh, he starts to kind of... Uh, he accidentally calls her captain as she, as they're yelling at each other, which is kind of a little bit of a turning point for their relationship. Anyways, more as like the, a uh, turn on point a, for their relationship. Yeah, my right. <laughs> so, uh, captain, my captain. <laughs> <laughs> so during this, the, all the kids are getting cleaned up inside. I'm, I'm just gonna wait for this to roll over. Is wrong with you, Shane. <laughs> That might stay. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Keep going, Mike. All right. So. <laughs> uh, okay. So Von. So Von Trapp. It. <laughs> I can wait. Jack almost laughing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Go Von ahead. Trapp and. Mer- God damn it. <laughs> So Von Trapp and Maria, they go inside and uh, they, 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 the kids are cleaned up and they're doing a little stage performance for um, the Baroness. They've, one of the songs that Maria taught them, which is um, uh, The Sound of Music. And it happens to be a song that the Baron, or not the Baron, Von Trapp knows himself. And he remembers what it's like to have music again in his house. And he sings along and uh, immediately is like snapped out of a spell. Like, it's almost like, you know, it's Disney. So he he's now a loving father again, no longer makes his kids do military things and uh, is like is happy again. So <clears throat> after that, we go into uh, there's a couple little important things that happen as well. So before this whole thing, there's this guy named Rolf, and he is the love interest of the oldest daughter. Um, Le- yeah. What's her name? Liesel. 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 And um, he is a Hitler youth, uh, at least is what it kind of is implied. He's, he's a younger guy and he's he's working as a uh, he delivers telegrams for uh, political parties in Austria. Uh, the German government has not invaded Austria yet. So Austria is still it's it's a sovereign nation. Uh, but there is talks of uh, Austria being invaded or at least occupied by Germany in the near future. And that's important for the plot for the rest of the movie, uh, less so of the musical side of this whole thing, but the more, more serious side of the sound of music. So Rolf, uh, is been kind of courting the oldest daughter and he shows up and, uh, delivers a telegram to Max, the uncle who's he's, he's interested in kind of setting up the, this, uh, Austria day kind of like pride concert. And that's his whole big thing. He's, he's looking for, um, a headliner for his for his big sh- debut show, and after he sees the the Von Trapp kids sing and uh, the captain sing, he thinks that they're going to be they're, they're, they're like the perfect the, the Von Trapp family singers. So he wants them to do this, but 
But uh, the captain is like he has he wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't want his kids to sing in public, even though he's now changed his tune and he's he loves that the kids are happy again. He doesn't want them to sing in public. What's important about Rolf is that he um, brings a letter from uh, the 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 Third Reich and Max makes a comment of, you know, things are going to change. You just have to go along with it. And the captain's like, absolutely not. He's anti-fascism and he thinks that Austria should be a sovereign nation and a free nation. So that's important for his kind of standing against the Nazi regime. Um, <clears throat> anyways, back to the fun part. Max brings a a <laughs> ginormous uh, marionette set with just horrific dolls that look like gelflings. Thank you. And does like, oh my god! <laughs> Thank you. Oh does my this god. like creepy stage play for the family, but they love it. Um, moving past that, uh, there starts to be a little bit of a kind of a romance that starts to develop between Maria and the captain, where their his ability to sing comes out when he is asked by his kids to do a, a, a performance of the guitar and he sings Edelweiss and uh, Maria kind of starts to fall in love with him while he's singing Edelweiss. The Baroness, you can see in the background, is kind of noticing this and it becomes uh, apparent that she she's she's aware that uh, Maria and the captain are starting to kind of have a, have a thing for each other. Um, Shit, I fell in love with him when he sang Edelweiss. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so the next big scene and to move the plot along is they decide to have a big party. Um, during the party, Maria is teaching the kids how to do some uh, traditional Austrian dancing. And the captain comes out and ends up dancing with Maria on the back patio. The Baroness catches them. Maria blushes and goes inside. And the uh, Max offers to, uh, or doesn't offer, asks Maria to be his guest for the party after the kids go to bed. When Maria goes upstairs to change for the party, the Baroness follows us up and says that she's going to help her change. Uh, kind of confronts her a little bit in a kind of a, a malicious, not a malicious way, but it's, it's a sneaky way. Kind of tells Maria that she she can see that they have a thing for each other. And in Maria's embarrassment and also her shame for being a nun, she decides it's in her best interest to leave. And so she, she leaves the party early without saying goodbye to anybody who believes a note. And this is, this is the entree act. Yeah, I, I like how you put it. Uh, the captain changes his tune about music. Like. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, where shit starts to move fast. And there there's, was a lot of sort of weird uh, musical logic, I guess, that <laughs> happened that kind of made me laugh where... So the the captain, how, how, we don't know how long he's been gone in Vienna, but we're talking like maybe a week, maybe a month, right? Right. Yeah. He comes back. Liesel knows how to play the guitar. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> and all the kids are professional singers. Well, I mean, yeah. people either yeah, run in the hills or they play the guitar. There's just not Dude, much else to do. Seriously, like in the way it's framed, it's like he was gone like on a day trip. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the kids are out playing, and then he, you know, drives past some little cute scene where he doesn't notice whatever. But anyway, like these kids, we're led to believe like they basically grew up in the town from Footloose if Kevin Bacon <laughs> never showed up. <laughs> and then, like within a day, they're winning Tonys. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they were wearing their Aloha shirts like the entire time, 
So I don't no, know was, if they was... were changing and cleaning them, or he caught them in the same day that they were made the Aloha shirts made out of drapes. <laughs> no, there was there was one costume change in between, so I noticed that too. They're wearing their drape clothes. And, Aloha uh... shirts. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is. I was like, God damn. <laughs> Keep going, Mike, because this is another example of this weird uh, musical logic. I think. Yeah, so so they're they're out there on the top of the mountain, and they say that they've never sang before in their entire lives. And she teaches them the do, you know, the do re mi fa so la ti do song. Was that um, what's the name of that song? Is it just is it the That's, whole thing? Yeah, I think it's, it's do re mi. It's, do re mi. Oh, do re mi. So so he, she teaches them how to sing, and then there's a quick cut, and they're suddenly back in Salzburg, and they're wearing their normal like uniform clothes, and then at the and then quick cut again back to when the bear nurse and um, Von Trapp are driving, and they're up in the trees wearing their Hawaiian clothes again. <laughs> yeah, uh, the thing, the thing I was thinking of is so, you know, when the captain comes back, they're coming in on a boat on the lake, which you know is a no-no because no fun is allowed. That's right. And they all fall out and they all get wet, and they all get yelled at and told to run it and change, and uh, so Maria gets held back because she's you know going to get in trouble, right? And when they go back in, the kids are singing for Max, but they're changing their uniforms. They're dry. Maria standing here, still soaking wet. <laughs> they have like changed in an instant, and then they learn how to operate these really complicated puppets, which have like <laughs> there's one that has like cheeks that puff out, like wooden cheeks that like go out and back in, while it blows a tuba. It's <laughs> it's elaborate, and Very. I guess they just kind of put it together and like. 45 seconds a lot of uh there were a lot of adult themes in that puppet show oh like the the goats yeah <laughs> well, i don't know if the goats were the adult theme <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing with like rolf and uh um fucking i, I hate her Liesl? name Liesl. yeah so Liesl and rolf <laughs> fucking name like their whole 16 going on 17 song it did not reveal until halfway through that rolf was 17 and that was like like i was watching it with with my wife and like i was like is this guy is this guy in his 20s like is this is this wrong like i'm 27 going on 20 <laughs> <laughs> never too late for me <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it, like it did not. It did. It made it seem a little kind of. I don't know. Sketchy. We didn't talk about that song much, but it, it's true. I, I feel like the the content of that song has not aged no. super well into the twenty first century. Was like, yeah. When they're like, wait one year or two years, I was like, or ten. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They should have like at the beginning just established like before the song, like what you guys were talking about, like the Footloose thing, been like. Well, I'm 16. Well, I'm also 17. All right, song. Like then they go uh, into it with salt shakers. <laughs> that could actually use salt shakers. Um, I'm gonna skip ahead just a little bit, but they do reprise the scene a little bit when uh, um, there's kind of like a, a, a reprise of it with Maria and Liesel, where you know Maria advises her to wait a year or two, and I'm thinking like, Maria, you're like 19, 20, like 22 maybe. You're only like four years older than this girl. <laughs> so this is this is off topic, but I thought it was interesting. I actually went and looked up the age of all these. Well, the two actresses. I looked up Liesl and I looked up um, Liesl is much Andrew. older than sixteen. <laughs> she well, she's twenty three, yeah. and uh, Julie Andrews is thirty during the making of this movie. Makes sense. Julie Andrews was thirty. Thirty. Wow. 
She aged um, great. I think she's is she still with us? God damn it, I can't remember. Yeah, she is. She well, can't good. sing anymore. But she has uh, kind of had a, a career revival appearing in movies such as Shrek 2. <laughs> yeah, that's great. She can't sing anymore. Fun fact, I learned this from my wife. She told me that she had surgery on her uh, throat, and so she can't hit those notes anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember my mom was devastated <laughs> hearing that news. Like, okay. like, life is not worth it anymore. I did like the subtle foreshadowing in this section. Uh, it, there wasn't a lot of it, but... The biggest one I picked up on was before this point, he's he's always referred to as the captain or, you know, Von Trapp or whatever. But when he's around the Baroness, we see his, like, attitude change. And he's, like, charming and shit. And uh, she only refers to him by his name, uh, Georg. So the even from the way he's called, we kind of see it sets the stage for him having, a like, a not fucking crazy side i guess right you yeah. can see some life come back into him he's joking and yeah yeah he's charming um well it's it's only like so i think i how long was his wife dead like three years in real how life in, like from four or five um, so it, was, it wasn't tremendous long ago my point being is that like the the, the oldest one would have remembered him being this loving father for a majority of her life right yeah I assume so. Yeah. so it's really it's really quick for him to turn around and become back to the way he was. However, the youngest daughter has probably only known him as his hard ass for the entire existence of her being. Yeah. Yep. I wish they would have uh, kind of hit home a little more on that because it, it kind of seemed like he's always been a hard ass. You know, I kind of had to like extrapolate that he changed after his wife died. I, I don't know. That's true. Any man that the, uh... refers to his children by whistle tones probably didn't <laughs> just do that overnight. <laughs> yes. Well, the it was the the maid the 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 head maid said to Maria that ever since the wife died the the like the joy and the singing has left the home. Uh, so I it see. was right after that. Yeah, there, there's a couple lines about it. Um, okay, one thing that kind of this the same scenes that you were uh, referencing, June, where he's hanging out with the Baroness and he's kind of charming. Um, on the note of people doing 180s, I thought the Baroness was pretty sympathetic for a while. Like she, she seems like a pretty good person, and she seems like she genuinely likes the captain or Georg. And there's even a scene where Max is maybe joking about making sure that you know they all stay rich in these. You know, it's about the money, and she's like, "Well, I really do like him," and it's like, yeah. "Okay, she's well, she's not too bad." I felt bad. I, for I think her. I was waiting for her to be like this Cruella Deville character which is kind of mm-hmm. how i felt like she was set up but she never does that so i was like wait she was kind of a victim they kind of like go like oh you know we're gold digging i was like what the rich gold digger what that makes no sense to me like her character was kind of the weakest for me yeah no, it's the only, not terrible, the only indication but... of, the only indication of gold digging was what jack was saying where max made that comment but she right after that says i don't like i'm already rich like i already that, have money yeah that was just a joke from max oh so i i feel like max kind of walks this line of slightly true slightly joking but yeah so um but i feel like so i was watching through these scenes and i'm like she's really sympathetic like i i like her she seems like a nice person and yeah. then she more or less kind of bullies maria out and it's it's subtle but she is kind of an asshole about it and i'm like okay now she's a villain and she just kind of became one like yeah, immediately be- and then she turns into a dick in like the, the next few scenes with the children just like 
being a jerk like i'm gonna send him to boarding school yeah and it's it was, like okay now you're a villain and it's then, like they yeah. didn't we'll know get, what to do with her and i still never got her as a villain i i uh, like i get what you're saying yeah yeah like now you're saying it i can see her villainy villainous side but i i felt like really bad for her the entire time because i thought she made the comment to him like we're both looking for somebody and then like she's also lost her love of her life and yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't. I mean, you got to think, no, think about it. I only got villainous vibes until she had her switch, and then I was so, like, no, "Yeah, this is this is the thing." Well, go on ahead, Mike. Thank you. I'd like to finish my comment before Shane fucking interrupts me again. So what I was um, saying, just keep <laughs> talking. I'll cut him. <laughs> so the the thing that that with the whole seven kids and like her being villainous. I mean, it's seven kids that aren't her kids. That's that's rough for anybody. Like, we have to look at Maria as being this saint to be able to be a matron to seven children. Sure, but, like, are we really going to chastise a woman coming in? And one of them's a 16-year-old girl. Like, that's rough enough. Yeah, so I, I think I mostly agree. Um, the thing is, like, this is what kind of kills me about this character is she's really sympathetic, right? Like, she seems like a good person until the plot demands that she like not be good. Like until (laughs) the moment in the plot where she is between Maria and the captain. And then she has to be an asshole for about four scenes. And I'm skipping ahead a bit, but until the captain breaks up with her and then she's really cool again. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, they don't want the audience to be like, well, maybe captain should have stayed with her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, she's like a jerk to the kids and she's kind of like she switches from like someone who's sincere and sympathetic and like has real human stuff going on to someone who's just like got to get rid of Maria and be a jerk to the kids for 15 minutes. They could have gotten away without the like douchiness cuz you yeah. could the the scene that was great was when they're like passing a ball around and playing some weird game. Uh she just like doesn't fit in. Right. I thought that was enough. Instead of suddenly being, you know, oh, we're going to send him to boarding school. Like, okay, well. Well, what I took away from it was when, so that scene was the precursor to the breakup scene where I feel like she started to kind of realize that she also didn't want to be in this situation. And it hit home when she made the comment when they were kind of, um, they're doing that, you know, it's not you, it's me breaking up scene where she says, I need to find somebody who needs me. I need to find somebody who, who like, you know, relies on me. And so it's, it's not only just a nice way to let Von Trapp down, but also I think there's a lot of truth to that. She doesn't want a family of seven because Von Trapp has seven kids. They, mm-hmm. they need him. She wants somebody, she wants to be the center of the world. And she knows that Von Trapp will never, she'll never be Von Trapp's center of the world. The seven kids are always going to be first. Nice. Deep. I mean, I think it makes sense. I, I just feel like, the character arcs just make a 90 degree whenever it's convenient for the story. Right. I I have a note. I have a similar note on that later too. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's plausible and it makes sense. It just, just feels like a device to like de-conflict. Yeah. This graph would have (laughs) like big major (laughs) angles in it instead of like a crescendo. (laughs) It just like, bang, bang. Just like (laughs) how the captain is like a mega over the top asshole. And then he remembers how to sing, and then he's, like, a really chill guy again. <laughs> I know. I thought they were going to, like, slow roll that a little bit. Like, he would get rid of the whistle, or just that would be what the three hours is about, is him lightening up and then falling it definitely, off. It definitely was way too sudden. Um, they tried. They tried a little bit with, like, the my children will not sing in public. But it's like, you know, it... <laughs> 
it took him this long from his wife dying to to real and like however many years and an artsy nun for him to realize like <laughs> oh fun kids are so much better like yeah <laughs> dude <laughs> i just it's like within five minutes it's probably two minutes in the movie he goes the kids are in the trees to edelweiss <laughs> 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 it's literally probably two minutes to that point and then he's like giving him kisses and like you're just like what i mean i'm into it this is fun like you know i feel good but man that was some whiplash <laughs> all right well i i feel like we are starting to cut into the next section so i don't know if we want to go ahead and describe what happens there and talk about this stuff some more or if we want to cover some more things but i got one last thing as the the kind of this is this being the trans the big like transition in the mm-hmm. movie um i did like that everything was paralleled so we don't really just focus on um really the main uh shift being the captain but you know we see everything shift at once so like the the kids go from goose stepping freaks to to normal kids um (laughs) you know the captain obviously is from the, the militant hard ass to the charming crooner and then even with maria we go like from a shitty nun to being like actually confident from her song earlier you know because she Mm -hmm. like straight up like talks back to this dude um and like basically puts her foot down that the kids are need to be kids and yeah that's like everything paralleled i just noticed too with you Mm -hmm. saying that that like they're it's almost like the outside world is running in reverse of their house you know what i mean so like they're like super fascistic and everything and like the outside world is singing and and alive and stuff but like they meet in the middle and they clash almost where they mm-hmm. began and then they have to whoa that that hit me some hard-hitting political analysis Shane. <laughs> well to be a little political actually this is actually political that happened in the film is during the party there's the um the 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 nazi um what would you call that supporter sympathizer, uh, sympathizer. Yeah, like sympathizer yeah so he he comes into von trapp's captain von trapp's home and captain von trapp is is a, is obviously a very proud austrian he has an austrian flag hanging over the banister and this man has a huge problem with it and they have a little bit of a confrontation and he says that you know the nazis are gonna be here you you got you better be ready for him and von trapp you know throws it back at him and says like well we know who's gonna be to blame when when you know people start getting arrested on on that yeah note, i got a note on that that's some history that i didn't i don't think i ever really learned is how austria became world war Two. no 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 how austria became one of the first because like i don't think it was violent i feel like it was just like a no, they, yeah. political it, it was... decision almost well it was it was people like this man who said yes we're gonna ex- we, we can't beat the germans we'll accept the germans and join them it's the same thing that the hungarians did it's the same thing that a lot of the countries around well, you know the baltic did i think i think at this time hungary was austria oh is austria yeah, part of hungary yeah, right probably actually still... no they, they got split up they got split up yeah. that's why he uh georg doesn't have a job is because uh, <laughs> austria after world war one didn't have a coastline so he was a, a captain without <laughs> I thought about that too. I was like, "Is Austria landlocked at this time?" I was like, "No, they have to have a port, right?" Yeah, yeah. She's like, "What was he a captain of the river?" (laughs) He uh, he's a riverboat captain. (laughs) He's got this battleship on the lake. (laughs) 
the real uh, Georg von Trapp won the Iron Cross in World War One for like oh. sinking a bunch of ships with a really early submarine. So he pretty much had the Medal of Honor for sinking a bunch of British ships. Hmm. Wow. He he wears it at the the party too. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, oh. It's just that's an interesting part of history I don't know a lot about. I need to learn more. Was the real von Trapp uh, anti-fascism? You know, um, I don't know if so. He was not a supporter of Germany. I didn't get too much into the motivations. I mean, I I think in the movie it reads as much as like very pro-Austrian as opposed to. <laughs> he could have been a horrible man for Austria, but God damn it, he was for Austria. <laughs> yeah, like. I think at his core, this man is not probably wholly opposed to fascism, uh, just based on how he runs his family. <laughs> <laughs> but also, he is, like, yeah, very Austrian. You you mentioned how he got his Iron Cross. Like, remember the whole unrestricted submarine warfare thing? <laughs> yeah, he, he can't have been that good of a person. <laughs> he sunk the Lusitania. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is it too, is it too soon for Lusitania jokes? <laughs> Churchill did Lusitania. <laughs> Remember? Oh yeah. god! Oh, that's funny. So the Lusitania. <laughs> Let's move this on. Uh, we're, we're so far in the weeds here. Uh, um, right. I will. Last note: I really like the dance between uh, him and Julie Andrews. I could feel the. There was a lot of like uh, connection between them two, just as actor and actress. Like they did really well with that dance. I was smiling the entire time. So Dude, th- this podcast has ruined me. I I watched that scene and I, w- I didn't like catch any of that. I was like, oh, the lighting's really good in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's like shit. Um, <laughs> when Lysel and Rolf are dancing in the uh, gazebo. I was like, oh, that wasn't a car light they just turned on. <laughs> it was like this obnoxious light that was supposed to be thunder, but it was an obvious like flashlight or something like a rounded light because it's just like, Psh! and then like, <laughs> like the whole gazebo doesn't go up. It's just this one beam of light that shoots through the gazebo and then goes back down. Uh, June, I think I think you'll appreciate the scene where Maria's leaving the abbey at the very beginning, where she's walking through the dark tunnel and she's like talking about depressing stuff and then she steps through the gate and suddenly she's in the sunlight and she turns into the I have confidence song. I did not catch that. Oh, well, I thought it was very well done. Wow, man. Nice. I guess you're the cinematography guy now. Well, all right, let's reshuffle our roles. Okay, so the next part of this movie is oh, thank God. <laughs> thank oh, God. The Nazis come and then they're all running away from the Nazis, but they go to a cemetery. <laughs> whoa, whoa. You just skipped the whole half of the movie it's my job now mike you talk about some long shots or something (laughs) june you have to mc (laughs) all right jack start blurting out things that'll get cut (laughs) i'm I'm gonna say a lot of offensive stuff that won't make the final cut (laughs) all right mike let's move us along he's not the lusitania It sounds so much worse when you say it is shame. <laughs> it's immediately cut. That's why I need this job. Oh god. <sighs> All right. So as as the show does, I think this is probably a good time to have a little intermission. I'm right. serious. I need to, I need to go to the bathroom.
Yeah, I need to freshen up on my uh, Austria in between 1930 and 1945. It starts with Poland and ends with a nuke. <laughs> I know, that's what I've always been taught. I forgot that like there's all these countries that kind of quietly were swallowed up. Well, they just straight up took the Sudetenland. So they invaded it. Or was it uh, like a coup? <laughs> we, we we do know that the Sudetenland is not Austria, though, right? Isn't it part of Czech, Czechoslovakia? Yes. Forgive me on my lack of knowledge of the border of the Sudetenland. <laughs> 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 Let's put it in terms of how far, how close to Ottawa would it be if I superimposed the Sudetenland? <laughs> Wait, you mean the Ottawan Empire? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's gold. What an intermission. <laughs> All right, ready? Mike, All you right. missed it. He just made an Ottoman Empire joke. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's rare. It's a, a rare cut. <laughs> Toronto was Constantinople. Now it's Toronto, not Constantinople. <laughs> Yay! You did it! You, you crazy nice. son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. All right. We Let's are go, Mike. so far off the rails, right? <laughs> well, we haven't gotten into uh, we'll, I'll, after I'll, the entree. I'll get us back on it. I'll get us back on the rails. Let's reset this train. All right. So after the entree, uh, we come back to the children are in a depression, and um, the Baroness and uh, Captain Von Trapp are engaged, and they they they. I think he went into a little bit how Baroness has been trying to get to know the kids, but it's really not working out. And she is not, you know, being a very, very good mother to them. And it, it's it's even more apparent when she says she's going to send them off to boarding school. Anyways, let's skip ahead a little bit. So they they end up um, they end up trying to go and find Maria at the Abbey. And while they're there, the the um, the matron mother of the Abbey says that. Uh, she's not seen anybody, and she's been in seclusion seclusion since she came back from the captain's estate. Uh, she goes and talks to Maria, calls her into her office, and said and asks her what's going on with her. Maria says that she started to have feelings for the captain, and she doesn't know what to do about it, and so she'd rather just take her vows and become a nun rather than face her her problems. And the uh, the mother Ab- Abby Abbas uh, tells Maria that she needs to she needs to go back out into the world and actually face her problems and come to a conclusion about it, and find out if they're real or not. So she goes back to the captain's uh, estate and finds out that the Baroness and the and uh, Captain Von Trapp are engaged to be married. Uh, which is devastating to her. But the captain having her back tells her that he would like her to stay. And she says she'll stay long enough until the next, um, the next, uh, um, governess until they can find her replacement governess. Yeah. Until her replacement governess can come and take over her job while she's there. She's trying to kind of, she goes out for a walk. Maria goes out for a walk and the captain is watching her from a banister and the Baroness comes out, sees that he's watching her. And this is where they, they have their, their breakup, which we already covered uh, after the Baroness leaves and Maria walks out toward the gazebo where uh, Ralph and Liesel were dancing. He, ad, you know, admits his love to her and they, they, and proposes in the exact same moment and they agree to get married. Um, so pretty quick, uh, up to the marriage, it goes fairly fast. Nothing, nothing really happens in between there and then. And they have a, um, 
their wedding at the this the the same chapel where she used to be a, a nun at and right after the marriage they go on their honeymoon and there's a, a, a about a month passes and during that time uh their town of uh Salzburg has been occupied by the uh by the Germans and the Nazis are there yeah the captain moves quick well <laughs> no he's he's been like considering marrying the baroness for like a year or something right like they they say He's been seriously considering marrying her before the summer is over. And then he's like, so uh, you want to get married? I know you just showed back up today and I just broke off my engagement 15 minutes ago. But I must marry the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, m- my other thought is, do you think the... So the Mother Reverend's advice is like, all right, so... Just go see if this guy's in love with you. Get back out there. Go get out. Do you think she's saying that just to get rid of Maria Oh, I was again? thinking that. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, low-key, Maria, get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's how you deal with a problem like Maria. <laughs> you marry her off. <laughs> Dude, Reverend Mother is something else, man. Like, She's great. She's running her like little cartel of nuns in there, but like... <laughs> That's how the show one was of her, filmed. One of her lines... Um, when the when the after the kids like leave disappointed, um, one of the nuns comes over to her and is like, "Oh, they were looking for Maria," and she says, "Like, you know, perhaps she's been in seclusion long enough. Bring her to me, even if she isn't ready." Like, what is she a fucking Sith Lord? Fucking oh my relax. god, dude, you're taking from my notes. When Maria walks in and she's initiating the new Padawan or the nun, like she's like. You may leave. <laughs> you will do well here. <laughs> well, since we're on Star Wars, how about that wedding where she's walking down the aisle and it looks yes, like the, the music. ceremony? At the end. <laughs> I just wanted Chewbacca to be waiting for it. I think I like too much because I wrote that down. I was like, does anyone get Star Wars vibes from this cathedral? I think you'll find this convent quite operational when your Nazis arrive. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting ahead. Oh man. Oh. oh fuck me. Did we get to the Nazis yet? I mean, they've, yeah, they've just so showed they, up. So the so the, I'll, I'll keep moving because we got we got some more to cover real quick. So the Nazis have um, they've moved into Salzburg now. Um, Max, the uncle, he has uh, while the while they're on their honeymoon, Maria and uh, the captain. He has entered the children into their, the Salzburg festival um, against the you know the captain's wishes, and uh, a, as the captain returns, this that one guy I don't know I don't remember his name the the, the skeezy guy that was talking Max about the, the Nazi Detweiler. sympathizer. Oh no 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 Zeller Herr Zeller. Yeah Herr Zeller he is he is now he's deep in the 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 Third Reich he's now working with them um, as could be assumed. And he's even gone to the extent of hanging up a uh, swastika flag at the captain's estate. So they return from their honeymoon and uh, immediately uh, Captain uh, Von Trapp rips the, the flag in half. Um, he, t- he rips down the the, um, the swastika and he rips it in half. Um, he also is told that the, the, uh, the, the Third Reich has sent him information that he needs to report to a German naval command immediately or face, um, you know, repercussions for that. Uh, 
Von Trapp is angry at Max for signing up his children for this for this you know festival and is is against it, and he just says that they need to get out of Germany as quickly as possible. Um, so they decide to sneak out at night, and uh, as they're attempting to push their car out of the the estate so that they don't make a lot of noise, they push it out to the road, which. I don't know why they couldn't just start it up in their house, but they push it out past their gate to the road. And before they can get in, um, Zeller is there waiting with uh, with a you know a little platoon of, of or it's like 12, 12 armed soldiers. And uh, they they get talk their way out of it by convincing Zeller that they were heading to the festival to perform as a family. And Zeller buys it, but but says that he's going to escort them to the festival with his men to accompany him to do their um their their final kind of stage performance for the uh the Austrian festival. I I'm rambling now so go ahead. <laughs> the Zeller character. I I think that was the weakest part of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh they it made was... him too they made him too Disney of a villain, right? And it wasn't it wasn't necessary. Um like the whole it, it and it started earlier when he was um at the party like and really like all of the all of like the Anschluss themes were just too on the nose i think cuz from the beginning you know it was like oh like did you see that austrian flag like you believe that <laughs> as he lives in austria Whereas, <laughs> yeah and where where i where i drew the the parallels to were uh was um fiddler on the roof right like the oncoming like the looming pogrom in uh, Fiddler, it was like ominous and just like terrible enough to be its own villain without personifying it into like just yeah. an over the top like fucking character. Well, and you make a good point that they could have done too is Herr Zeller's a lot like the um, or he could have been a lot like the Russian captain in Fiddler on the Roof where yeah, he doesn't exactly want to execute the pogrom. I mean he right. does a little but he's kind of conflicted because he's friends I think they could have done something like that with Zeller a little bit, like all these people that were, because even Georg was about to be swallowed up into the Nazi Navy, and he didn't want to be, but he very well could have, and just not been a Nazi at heart, you know? Yeah, and the the oncoming, like, next few years, you know, the Nazi war machine is terrible enough to be its own, like, villain as an ideology, mm-hmm. versus yeah. personifying it into this, like, come on, man, like... <laughs> like the, the Flandersification. Yeah, and his yeah. butler, that was his butler for years, and he's probably been good to, and, like, wasn't presented as an evil man, as the one that rats them out, because they show him in the window with the Nazi pin. Wait, what? Yeah. Missed so that. that's why Zeller's there, because, like, oh, no one knows we're leaving, and they do that shot of the, I, the butler that they showed from the beginning... What the butler just put a pin yeah, on for that moment? Yeah, he literally moment. just like, put a Nazi pin on his lapel <laughs> and is standing in the window, and you're like, "Oh," and then that's a Nazi. <laughs> uh, oh, that's that's right. Yeah. Does anyone else think uh, Herr uh, Zeller looks a lot like the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark who gets his face yeah. melted? <laughs> to to get back to your point, June. Um, honestly, I I think that is like intentional, and in that. At the end of the day, this is a very, like, Disney in-tone film, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. The, there's no substantial conflict. The threat is, you know, it's when you 
personify all of Nazi Germany into one annoying but persistent bureaucrat, then it... (laughs) (laughs) When you put it that way. (laughs) Like, the villainy of Nazi Germany in this movie is that they took over Austria, right? Like, that's the whole scope of it. Like, that... From from the within the scope of the movie, that is the 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 conflict, and it's not that they want to invade Europe; it's that they want to uh, take Georg away from his family. So it's it's very it's a very like I want to say intentionally watered down like yes. version of this. I was going like, to say that I was like they real when you say it like that, it seems like they kind of sidestepped a lot of things that you kind of would have addressed. Yes, it, it, the fact that Zeller's like, all right, you will go and sing. Like, come on, like you're yeah. a Nazi. But I, I, well, not only that, but then he, uh, the entire time, is offended by the concert. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, on, I, I feel like the whole Germans Nazi subplot almost felt like an accessory to the real story. Like it it kind of felt like something that was like obligated to be in the movie. And it's like, okay. And then they have to flee Austria because that's how the real story goes. It, yeah, it didn't but, feel like it added that much to the actual story. Cause they like the whole plots on the family, but it's almost too much about this, like Austria thing, right? Like the, one of the opening lines or like early on in the film somebody says like he's like too austrian or something or like he's super austrian the captain and then they do the scene where they're doing the the lendler or the the austrian folk dance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then yeah like so is the story like von trapp family loves austria or is it that uh, asshole dad turns good like <laughs> yeah and I, I that's kind of what i'm thinking right is like this it, it feels like the movie changed for like the last 30 minutes mm-hmm. and so, not for any reason other than it was obligated to yeah they needed to pepper it a little more in the first act to pay it's off not in so the much, second act it's not so much peppering it it's just a it feels like a very disjoint plot like i feel like it was set up well but it's. I feel like there's no meaningful way to intertwine 30 minutes of uh, escape Austria and the clutches of the Germans with love story about how asshole dad becomes nice through the power of music. You so, know, like, so I think think what you're, you know, the obligation is is right on the nose there. I think the obligation here is this is based on a true story, right? They have to cover the interesting part of this. When when Disney's presented the script and they said, "Here's a family who fled Austria." Right before the Third Reich, you know, really took over. This isn't a Disney film. What is it? it? It's well, I, I guess what we're saying, it's not a Disney film, but it's Disney in tone. It's family friendly. It's you know, Disney at the time was a lot more offensive than this. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been, yeah, this would have been a different tone. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Mike. No, so I'll correct myself. So not not a Disney film, but definitely a family family yeah. friend, friendly film. Yeah. So as far as like a family friendly film goes, it it is. It's supposed to be a musical. It's supposed to be nice, but it is based off of a true story. So the obligation is to get the true story out there. So they did pepper it in, like like Shane said, throughout the film. But the main part of the family friendly part was the love interest, the the family coming together, all of that, which was the two hours of the film. And if you collectively gather it all together, an hour of the film um, would be the obligation to show what really happened to this family. And they kind of shoved it in at the end and they kind of like 
showed the the actual truly historically remarkable part of this story is this family of seven children did flee Austria across the Alps on foot. Yeah, um, though we in the in the notes afterwards, I will run through the like true true story okay. of this family. It, it's, I mean. Not false, but it's a little less romantic. <laughs> but I guess the point I'm trying to make is the, it, the the fact that it feels a little disconnected is is true. But the reason why is because they did have to put in that story, right? Yeah. 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 Just be. What I was getting at was instead of them having to escape, hair, what's his name? Yeah. Instead of they, because the way it's framed now, it's like these guys got away from Hair Zeller, whereas. The more interesting, I think, and the true story was they escaped the Anschluss or like the, you know, yeah. years. Yeah. But, but they ran out that. of villains. So they so the villain at the beginning was the father and then he no longer is a villain. And then the next villain was the Baroness. And then she turns out not to be a villain. So they had to make another villain. They just <laughs> they, they ran out of villains. <laughs> oh, and then they and then they ran out of Zeller. And so they got to make. <laughs> and then they had to make Rolf a villain. <laughs> <And then they're... laughs> Let's go forward a little bit. Finish out this movie for us. So we can talk about the whole thing. Oh, be Mike. Pretty quick. So they are escorted to the festival where the family performs um, the, a couple of the songs that they've done. Um, some filler songs as well, like ABCs and something about tea and bread. And um, <laughs> the Nazis are watching. Jam and bread, right? Tea and jam or like j- <laughs> You can really tell they're buying their time here, um, trying to figure out what they're, they're going to really, do here. We got to run it longer. It's only two and a half hours. We gotta... They have they have they have armed guards watching them perform like up on the rafters. Um, There's one more song, <laughs> uh, and then we eat tea and jam. It's become very apparent that that uh, von Trapp is important for the uh, the success of the Nazis. Um, so. After they finish their songs, Max gives them kind of an opportunity to escape. He says that they need to go off the stage so he can announce the winners. And he takes his time and gets through third place, second place, and then says that the Von Trapp family are the winners. Um, great alibi. And then um, when they turn the, the spotlight to the, the tunnel where they're supposed to come out to accept their award, they don't show. And so the the uh, Zeller and his his brown his brown shirts, they go looking for them. Um and they follow them back to the 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 von traps decide to go and they hide at the uh the abbey where the death star yeah they go back to uh emperor emperor mother palpatine who uh she she hides them behind some gravestones uh, in a locked gate uh so the the brown shirts they're going through they're searching through the abbey and there's a tense scene where the family's hiding and they're they're spotlighted but they're not caught however uh Lysel makes a noise as they're walking away, and one of the one of the brown shirts is actually Rolf, who is, I guess, been promoted, and he hangs back a little bit to wait for the von traps to come out from behind the gate. He steps out, confronts them. This is where uh, the captain he tells his family to kind of run away, and there's a tense standoff where von trap approaches Rolf, kind of tries to talk him down, and uh gets up to him, takes the gun away from him and then makes a, a fatal mistake and says that he'll never be one of them in a very condescending way, which sets Rolf off and he, he yells out for the, uh, for his Lieutenant and the chase is back on. 
uh, the Von Trapps run. They get into one of the cars that the uh, the nuns have on the on the uh, on the on the grounds, and they take off toward the Alps instead of going toward the borders because they're closed off. So the Von Trapps are driving out of the city toward the Alps to walk aclo- walk across the Alps to to get to Switzerland. Uh, the 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 Nazis they jump into their cars. And they try to chase after him, but the cars aren't working. And it turns out that the uh, two of the nuns um, are mechanics, and they went out and <laughs> they took out the exact parts of their vehicles that stopped them from working. Um, and at the last scene, they it's a happily ever after, and it shows the Von Trapps at the top of the Alps making their way into well, Switzerland. Well, we don't know. That's the end of they the film. They may have never been seen since. Happily ever after. <laughs> They're at the top of the Alps, who knows? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I I don't know if I have issues with Rolf. I'd just like to discuss Rolf, I guess. But like, oh, I have issues with Rolf. <laughs> they start off in the beginning with Rolf and Liesel like deeply in love, right? They have this young love. Obviously, it's fleeting, I guess, for political reasons. <laughs> I don't love her no more. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but Rolf is like How can you barely love? How can you love seen the third again. So. His his change is a little off putting, and then he does not give a flying fuck about Liesel now. <laughs> he could give a shield well, shoot he, Liesel in the face. Um, he kind of gets bullied off by Georg a little yeah, bit, right? And that scene where, like, I liked it when he was um, he's walking up to him, and like, it's like kind of like that Willy Wony. He takes the gun, but instead of that, he should have said something like, you know, that's the man Liesel loves, or something like that. Not. That's right. <laughs> He's like, I'm not a. And he runs off like he the, the you were doing so great, and now we have to censor it. Oh, yeah. Rolf, Rolf kind of Rolf kind of let the fan. So Rolf said, I think his his reservations were for the fact that he was trying to let Liesel and them kind of escape because he said to um he said to Von Trapp like they don't they they're not after the family they're after you, and that's why he didn't blow the whistle immediately. At least that's what I took away from it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like he's going to wish he listened when he's sitting outside of Moscow or something in a few years. <laughs> they ruined Rolf. Yeah. Yeah. That character, fucking terrible. Yeah, just like you're saying, very hard to believe that all of a sudden he sings, like, he sings some crazy song about love and then suddenly he's, he's you know, little Hitler. Like, <laughs> you, you can't... <laughs> the- the the execution of Rolf was flawed in the sense that it could have gone a few ways and it could have been better, right? So he could have confronted them and then uh, Georg could have talked him down and he could have let him go. And then we see a little bit of redemption. Mm-hmm. I would have been okay with that. Or I would have liked it even better to where if on their way out, they you get confronted by mystery brown shirt and it happened to be Rolf and like he's like, oh yeah, you know, like a little bit of, tenseness and then he lets him go yeah but this yeah, like that would have been, been better i thought with the gun he was gonna go okay i have uh, i'm gonna help you and like would hit knock rolf out so it could look like that rolf got jumped by him or something like give him plausible deniability or another brown shirt was gonna see him and that was gonna be the chase but like rolf just going never mind i'm evil was weird and and just didn't fit it's like the least interesting option they could have picked yeah they could have also just cut that all out. That would have been fine. Yeah, they really could have yeah, avoided really. that. 
what's the point? Yeah, get saved by the Abbey and then hit the hit the road. Anyways, yeah. but I maybe I'm looking at this from an adult's perspective too critically. But the whole back way back at the very beginning when Rolf and and Liesel are having their their song. I, again, I already mentioned this. I got a lot of creepy vibes from that song. I, like with the whole, um, he kept pushing her back. She kept trying to come on to him during the, the dance performance. It's almost like he was kind of like, like I feel like the dude's already a sleaze bag, and, and, and like his character arc is actually on point. That he's always been kind of a sleaze bag. Damn, you got deep into the character. Wrong. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I might be, I might be looking at this movie all wrong. <laughs> I just pictured I mean, it as he's like. No, I don't know. And she's like, "But I love you." And he's like, "I do love you." Like I did, I didn't see. He was like, "Good, thing. it's, it's all weird. part of my plan." And then he goes back to his master at the abbey, like, <laughs> <laughs> "My apprentice, Rolf." <laughs> no, all right, nobody got that. Okay, no. we've invented like okay. an entirely separate like subplot side thread of the sound of music um <laughs> i just i think it would have served the character of rolf better if like he was kind of this good kid that just got swept up into the nonsense but like they could have peppered it like he appears a little bit more with lisa and he's like no i'm telling you like the germans are gonna help austria be a great country again and you know all this weird shit that you're like, like he's just brainwashed. Yeah, like he's a good kid that's being brainwashed, and then you can have it pay off towards the end. But it's just like, oh, he's in love. Oh, hey, Rolf, get out of here! And it's like, Rolf's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Nazi. <laughs> in this movie, people are heroes and or villains based entirely upon what that scene in particular requires. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Well, we've already seen like rekindled love once right so we can basically say that's a thematic element baroness versus uh maria right we've already seen it so at the end when it's cool i get it like the the new hotness is is the being a brown shirt i guess yeah but when 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 he's confronted it would have fit so much better and paralleled if it was like oh uh I'm trying to like follow my orders, but then he sees Liesel uh-huh. and is kind of reminded and you know, like so much could have been done better. Yeah. But now he just like goes off screaming like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love um during the concert, so is Edelweiss like a specifically Austrian like song? It's like a nationalistic um, song? No, so the song was written for uh the musical. It's okay. it's like a song that has become so big that it's transcended the musical, but the Edelweiss is a is like the national flower of Austria. It's like a, a really notable I, cultural. I figured as much because it was like everyone was like, "Oh, I love this song." I was like, "Oh, so everyone knows Edelweiss except the Germans who are like, Ugh. yeah." Edelweiss Edelweiss only grows up at the tops of the Alps, so like it would be a flower that like German or no, sorry Austrian soldiers used to climb up to like gather and they would give to people before they went to war. Mm-hmm. as like a symbol of their dedication the more, the yeah, more you know um, I, I, I mean I think it was framed that way within the, the universe of this musical where you know like we talked about it's just people singing you know it is framed as a love song to Austria uh. that he sings and it's, it's it's definitely sort of a slap in the face you know to uh, the, the German sympathizers in the audience even Max says like Oh yeah, they are gonna take Captain Von Trapp away. They're gonna take uh, Austrian yeah. war hero Captain Von Trapp and make him a German. And everyone's like, "What the hell?" 
Wink. Also, Max is 100% going to prison. He has no oh. plausible deniability for any of this. He was caught trying to sneak out with them. He is, like, running this show that they, like, escape out of. They followed him there. Like, did this guy just take well, the dive for them? or Max not going to prison. Max getting shot. Max and Zeller are getting shot because anyone that hears Zeller's report is going to be like, so let me get this straight. You got a tip that this guy was going to run. So you go to his house. Yeah. Okay. He's he's pushing his car out of the driveway silently, but then says it won't start. Your soldier then starts the car immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so then he tells you <laughs> that he wasn't running away in his travel clothes. He was going to go to a concert with his children. Yeah. So then you go to the concert and they go out the back door and you expect them to come back after you personally had to escort them there. And to top it all off, two nuns take apart your car. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, granted that this is a, a, a Disney-fied universe where everything ties up neatly and there are no consequences, but that would be noticed. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll offer a counter-argument is that no one gives a shit about some fucking random Austrian naval captain in a landlocked country. A retired one. Right. right. Yeah. I don't think people... Or keeping track to, to uh, you know. I, I could have missed this, but the, they did a really good job about showing that the Von Trapp family had escaped. They cut back to the, the tunnel. The tunnel was a nice touch and the spotlight. Um, immediately afterwards, though, uh, they end up at the convent. Like, Instead of going straight for the hills? Well, like, what drove them to there, you know? Yeah, I guess it would, I mean we would assume it'd probably be Maria, right? Being like we can we can find refuge. But I don't get though is how did the how did the how did the Nazis know they went to the convent? No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, yeah. I know why the family went there, but like, yeah, how were the Nazis like, you know, I know where they are. They went to the convent in all of Austria. That's the place. I I have to assume that they're like we're we're supposed to uh, infer they're like right next door or something. That's that's all I can offer. That they're very close by. Maria was a was practicing nunnery. She's got to be there. She was yeah, nunning um, earlier. <laughs> I saw her nunning earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, I don't know why they would know because they could have gone anywhere. They could have gone to the bakery. Yeah, they could. I thought I missed something because I looked away for a second and looked back, and they were like storming the convent. I was like, "Really? <laughs> right, like they could be halfway halfway out of the country by now." In fact, that's what I would have done: is just kept on driving. Yes. Well, they didn't for, drive to the convent; they were on oh, foot then. Yeah. As a as a you know I, as a positive thing about older movies like this could have turned into a very corny cheesy ending real quick where like the nuns like fought back or some bullshit <laughs> like that nuns. okay now hold <laughs> on movies nowadays hold on. do <laughs> karate nuns put a pin in that i'm, I'm down for that <laughs> god damn it that's that's gonna be the title of this podcast <laughs> this episode <laughs> karate yes, nuns. I did it. <laughs> so any other any other notes about um the the plot of this movie there is some pretty interesting trivia that i do want to take some time for uh i want just my last note will be i i liked how they executed the reprises uh in this in this uh movie in particular because one, one the songs are super iconic right everybody mm-hmm. even if they haven't seen the movie like so long farewell mm-hmm. like everyone knows what that is 
But I like that they were able to convey all ranges of emotions through just the different instances in the movie of the same song. Yeah, the song. Um, yeah. yeah, they're they're talking through the music, and it's the same song, yeah. but in a different tone. One of yeah, the best yeah. best representation or best executions of reprises I've seen in in a musical, I think. So I think, uh, like, I agree 100% with you, but I got to say, the, what the thing I hated about this film wasn't what it was very charming. I love the love the musical aspects of it. I love the second half of it. I actually really liked it since I'm didn't remember any of the plot watching it was actually pretty interesting but what i really absolutely did not like about this was all of the children's stuff all of the children's songs whenever they were in town it was cringeworthy like man you were gonna hate wes anderson movies (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no, specifically this with their 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 kids the kid interaction was just i don't know it was it was not fun to watch it's um personal good segue into some of my trivia all right so uh common uh prompt for us to intro ourselves is recasting people in the movie right Mm -hmm. well there were some interesting uh near misses so some of the child actors they interviewed or you know auditioned that were not selected include um mia farrow of rosemary's baby fame um uh kurt russell was a candidate (laughs) and the Osmonds, to include Donny Osmond, were candidates for some of the children. They um, didn't put Donny Osmond in this movie? <laughs> right. Um, Jesus. Was it British enough? <laughs> so some of the other people that were considered for the captain. So, well, uh, Maria first. Uh, Grace Kelly and Shirley Jones. But, I mean, Grace Kelly, you know, was, a, was an alternate, even though Julie Andrews was first choice. And I'm pretty sure they saw her and Mary Poppins were like, holy shit, we have to get her before anyone else does. Um, <laughs> now, as far as uh, who else was considered over Christopher Plummer, so Bing Crosby was one. Uh, nice. Richard Burton. Whoa. Um, and I'm going to let you all try and guess the last one. No looking. Just shoot and I'll tell you if you're warm or close. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> First guess. Wait, that was that was Wait, real. Was it close? That was real. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yes, god damn, that would have been awesome. Uh, Sean Connery could have been the captain. Oh my god! <laughs> Russian submarine commander, Austrian submarine commander. <laughs> real, really typecast. Wow! I was like, man, who would I actually pick from that type? Here? I was like, well, Sean Connery would probably fit. Yeah. Uh, fresh off of Bond movies. Wow. Um, but I feel like the sound of music. So wait, I so I have, I have a question then. Where so I felt uh, I was under the impression that all the actors and actresses in this film actually can sing. Uh, no. Christopher no, Plummer was dubbed over. Uh, Julie not, Andrews I, definitely sang. Oh yeah. I don't understand that. Like. Who's handed a script and is like, it's clearly for a musical. You clearly have singing parts. I'll did he just it. like, did he just like show up and it's like, all right, it's time for you to sing, Chris? And like, yeah. Funny thing about that. Have you seen? You know? Have you seen Russell Crowe in Les Mis? But he did sing. <laughs> I did think about that, but if like, you can call that singing. <laughs> he and I thought way. to myself, maybe, maybe I would have preferred Russell Crowe get dubbed over in Les Mis. But, but then you mentioned <laughs> stuff like Richard Burton and Bing Crosby. Is like sounds fucking perfect, you know? Yeah, 
I just they, they plumber walks in and they ask him, "Can you sing?" He's like, "I've been smoking unfiltered Luckies <laughs> and drinking whiskey for the past twenty years." Like, no. Honestly, I thought Christopher Plummer was did a great job. He was probably the best performance, not singing. But then his like singing dub was also not very good. Yeah, he couldn't be very dynamic. I feel like. Like, he couldn't do all the stuff that Julie Andrews is doing because he wasn't actually fucking singing it. I played to his character a little bit because, you know, he's like a guy that just happened to have a good voice but obviously isn't known for singing or being happy. So, so you, <laughs> I think I would have liked you know, you could tell Burton. at the end. You could tell at the end during the uh, the competition or whatever that he's kind of he's, – he's the most out of place in terms of the singing. Yeah. Um, so, I guess that that worked out, but – uh, I did notice a lot of overdub issues, though, in general, and a lot of weird cuts. Yes. Uh, in the beginning, there was clearly, like, they fucked up a take really bad, and the, everybody just, like, jumps a little bit. It's like when they're on bicycles in the beginning. It was, like, so bad. Um, so do you want to know a bit about the true story of Georg von Trapp and the family? Spin it. So... Like, the, the high notes are true, and we've covered some of them. So, uh, Georg von Trapp was an Austrian submarine commander <laughs> in, in uh, um, World War One, right? Uh, and uh, so, he inherited a lot of money. Um, his wife actually was the daughter of, like, a big naval, you know, arms manufacturer in Austria. So, it was kind of a family business, I guess. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> None of the children in The Sound of Music share the names with their children um, in real life, which were uh, Rupert, Agatha, Werner, Hedwig, Johanna, and Martina. And it's not like they chose better names. They chose, like, just other very German names, or I guess Austrian. Very, very Austrian oh, names, yeah. Bad. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Rupert doesn't really roll off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh is Hedwig. Maria was um you know in a convent and was sent as a school teacher for one of the children and uh you know they they fell about there's not that much more I'm aware of about the story without digging into like books or anything and had a few more children but this was well in advance of the Anschluss this was like 1926 and um so Georg von Trapp lost pretty much his family fortune in the uh, Great Depression. And, um, you know, he lost his job because Austria doesn't have a coastline anymore. Um, so they all kind of started singing as like a way to make money. What? <laughs> now this yeah, is so a story they, I'm interested in. Yeah, so in the Great Depression, they were like a traveling singing group. And I want to watch this movie. I know, this sounds yeah. way more interesting. Uh, and so kind of at the end of the day, um, the part about Georg being pressed into the German Navy was true. Uh, they were about to, um, you know, Austria was about to be annexed. And so they fled Austria to uh, what was then Italy, uh, where uh, he was technically a citizen because he was born in the part of the Austrian Empire that became Italy or whatever, right? And so, so they, wait a second. So you're just poked holes in all of the bullshit that I was spewing at the end there. This is what, what Wikipedia tells me. So it's got to be true. Fuck you, Wikipedia. Um, and so they even went back into Austria at one point to do a concert. <laughs> <They kind of, laughs> got to make that money. Nice. 
So they were like, plain sight. <laughs> they were uh, touring around like Scandinavia for a while while they waited to, I guess, get tickets to go to the United States. That's uh, the sound of music too. <laughs> Fleeing Austria again. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, once they got to Italy, they um, got passage to the United States and then became a singing group in the Northeast. And I think most of them uh, lived and died you know, in, in Vermont. So God, those poor kids. Wow. So he was rich, lost all his money. So he made his kids start singing on the street corner for money. <laughs> well, they weren't, they were like going around doing concerts and stuff. Uh, so the whole thing with him saying, my kids won't sing in public is poor shit. Oh, I mean, he very much made them. It's sing a in story. Public. <laughs> it's the only way they put food on the table. Sounds like that's all they did was sing in public. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. So I'll accept the Roger and Hammerstein version. At the end of the day, it's you know it's it's a musical. It's not. Yeah, that's actually that that's made me more depressed. Now I don't I don't know if the timeline lines up, but I think I think it does. Um, so Georg von Trapp was the commander of U uh, five um, during <laughs> World War One. Are, are we hashing out if he sank the Lusitania? <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> So he was the he was the commander from April to October of 1915. Uh-huh. In April of 1915, he sunk a French armored cruiser, which apparently had some kind of provenance because it's it's specifically mentioned. And uh, I guess I guess this was after him. I was going to say that the U five is responsible for like the most deadly naval disaster in World War One, but I think it was after. Von Trapp had had uh, <laughs> switched out. He handed that one off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, he was successful enough that he was sort of a national hero, which kind of reading between the lines of the plot of the movie, that's why it's really important that he joins the German Navy because it's like symbolic of like this Austrian propaganda stuff, war hero. Um, I don't know. It's like if Canada annexes the U.S. and and all our Medal of Honor recipients are starting bands. Yeah, or yeah, it's <laughs> it's like they're trying to bug. I don't know Who, who's a big one. Like they're trying to bug Chris Kyle into to joining the Canadian Army, but he flees to Mexico and starts a band. Um, all right, oh. we're we're back off the rails. Yeah, we're so we're careening. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, so as far as budget and, like, uh, box office and stuff, this brought in a ton of mo- money. It held the record for most successful movie at the box office for, like, a long time. Uh, made with $8.2 million, brought in $286 million, so just enormously profitable. And uh, I think um, it may have even beat Gone with the Wind. Wow. Yeah, it it beat Gone with the Wind, and it held that distinction for twenty four years. So, definitely like just incredibly successful. And then when it was re released in nineteen ninety, the number of tickets sold pushed it up to a uh, number of tickets sold all time number three position, just behind Gone with the Wind and Star Wars. So, if we were to adjust it for twenty fourteen prices, it would have made two point three billion dollars oh my god a musical so it's just like astronomical in scale as far as oscars this is the one we always talk about it won best picture and best director uh julie andrews was nominated 
Um, who the hell did Peggy Wood play? She was also nominated. <laughs> was she the Baroness? Uh, no, she was Mother Abbess. So uh, <clears throat> Emperor Convent uh, was nominated. For, also nominated for Best Art Direction Color, Best Cinematography Color, Best Costume Design Color, because those were all different categories in color. Mm at the time um maybe that was what peter bogdanovich was going for the best picture black and white <laughs> the last year was there he's like i'm gonna get it oh <laughs> uh, fuck you peter bogdanovich draft dodged son of a bitch also won best film editing and best scoring of music adaptation of treatment and best sound uh probably pretty reasonable so super successful um and of course, you know, in the top 250 English language movies rated by the good people of IMBD. Do you know who beat out uh, Julie Andrews? That would be curious. For Best Actress at the 38th Academy Awards, um, Julie Christie uh, in Darling as Diana Scott. Yeah, that didn't stand up to the test of time. Um, huh. Other movies... That this was up against Doctor Zivago was a, a notable one from the same wow. year. Sound of Music beat out Doctor Zivago. Wow. Yeah. I guess what Richard was Burton was doing at the same time was uh, the Spy Who Came In from the Cold, which was Best Actor uh, nomination. Uh, Lawrence Olivier in Othello came out that year as well. Yeah, trying to think of anything. Just looking over if there's anything that would be like really uh, compelling. Not really. It doesn't look like a uh, really <laughs> mega year for the Oscars. It's like this and Dr. Zhivago. Um, it's supposed to show you can be successful if you make anything into a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Julie got the last that, laugh That'll be that next Oscars. week's prompt. Dude, Georg von Trapp is responsible for at least 700 deaths. <laughs> and the hearts of many. <laughs> <laughs> he might be a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> like Peter Bogdanovich <laughs> crimes against film alright well enough about trivia now comes the part of the podcast where we impose our own order on these rankings and rank this movie where we put it you know uh, against all the movies we've seen so far so without further ado June where do you put it so this one was actually pretty easy. I'm going to throw it right at number four uh, between Magnolia and The Incredibles. Yep, that's a solid, Interesting. solid placement. Always love the movie. Uh, still love the movie. Uh, Musical-wise, I think it was just slightly better than Fiddle on the Roof. And then, uh, yeah, number four. All right, Shane? Yep, I'm going to be pretty similar here. I'm going to put it at number three uh, above The Incredibles, just under Big Fish. Um, I'm like Mike, where I've seen it before, but it's been such a long time. I... I remember some of the songs, like I recognize most of the songs, but I didn't remember the scenes. So mm-hmm. I was smiling the entire time. Love this movie. I'd watch it again and again. Uh, number three. Mike? Well, like Shane, I don't remember this movie at all, but I do remember I didn't like it, and I still don't <laughs> like it. So <laughs> I'm going to put it, uh, as per confusing tradition, right underneath Fiddler of the Roof at number nine your list (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh, actually that's that's number two on his sub list of musicals (laughs) it's actually how i based my list off of i compared it to fiddler and i said i like fiddler more so it's got to go below fiddler but then i also thought like 
I have a hatred for The Martian, not because of the movie, but because of our podcast. So it has to be above The Martian. <laughs> My list is very complicated. That's uh, yeah, that's that's a word. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm kind of conflicted about this one because I definitely enjoy it, but it feels. I, I feel like there are movies that are like candy like the Avengers or whatever, right? Where it's just, it's fun to watch and probably bad for you at the end of the day. Um, there are movies like Her, Magnolia, or Saving Private Ryan, where like, it's almost like medicine that's tough to swallow, but you, you're you like, you should. This one is like a, I feel like it's like a, a nice, light, easy to digest dessert, but it's not anything like substantive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, you can say it. Number 29. <laughs> what, you think I, I like this more than the last picture show? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> no one. I, nobody likes it. I, I Yeah. Um, I, and I think the comparison is The Fiddler on the Roof. And I think in some ways this is better in Fiddler on the Roof. In other ways, it's not. But I also feel like it's better than like Ratatouille and Rio Bravo. But I'm going to have to put it at number 11. And I realize that this might mean I don't get any birthday presents this year. June and I's uh, love of musicals is coming through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I put it, where I, I definitely enjoy it. I like it, but it feels like a... It doesn't feel like a meal of a movie. It feels like a... Snack? It, it's not... Yeah. A it's three a, it's hour a snack. snack. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a, is is Ratatouille still par? I think it. Just uh, saying, this movie's subpar. No, I don't think Ratatouille's par. At, at least by my list, I feel like technically um, Sin City. Well, that was for me. All our pars are different now. <laughs> for me, The Incredibles is the top of the best of the rest. Wow. I, I'm still standing true with Big Fish. I have a short list of movies at the very top that I think were like well beyond the rest. And then there's a bunch that I think are good. Okay. Interesting. Um, anyway, so final verdict. Do you recommend watching it, June? Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, you undoubtedly already know the song. So you may as well, you know, see the story behind them. Shane? Yes. Mike? Let's be real. You've seen it. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It doesn't matter. You've Some seen this. Bullshit, but you've seen it. This, this question doesn't. The predicate is is flawed. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that has been episode 30 of Working Title, or the 30th review. Um, join us next week when we will be talking about... God damn it. I forgot again. Rain Man. Rain Man? Another Tom no. Cruise. You're getting a lot of cruise. Oh, shit. Gotta watch Wapner yeah, first. We, we are. Funny. Did you just barely say, is there a Rain Man on this list? 1988's Rain Man next week. At some point, we're going to have to work through and see which actors appear the most on this. Tom's going to be there a lot. I feel like Tom Cruise is way over overrepresented. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Hoffman will probably be surprisingly overrepresented, too. Well, then Mike can have his own uh, Tom Cruise sub list. <laughs> Movies with Tom Cruise. Way ahead of you. 